Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. Welcome, everyone. We'll get started. Um, we're on the third guided meditation that takes place in our refuge recovery meetings. It starts on page 239, but you don't need to read along. You can just listen and meditate. I'll give the instructions and then we'll have some uh, discussion about it after the meditation. This is where we open from the first two meditations, which is establishing mindfulness in the breath and body to begin to open to the second foundation, which is the feeling tone. And uh, this is the understanding, the, the reality that everything that we experience at our sense doors is uh, instantly perceived by the mind, by the body, by the nervous system as being uh, experienced as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And it is our relationship to pleasure and pain and neutrality that creates suffering in our lives. And so this practice is so key. There's so many benefits to the first foundation of mindfulness. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks. Um, but this one, and in some ways I wanna um, propose that although a lot of what we're doing in the first foundation is getting present, get present in your body, get present in learning to ignore your mind and be present physically here with the breath, here with the body. In service of once we're here, our awareness is here, our consciousness is here, we can start to investigate what am I feeling? How am I feeling? What is being perceived as pleasant? What is being perceived as unpleasant? Um, as Buddhism teaches us, the cause of our human suffering, the cause of the, the roots of our addiction is the repetitive, the completely impersonal, totally natural, normal human condition of craving for pleasure and aversion to pain. It's in this second foundation of mindfulness that we begin to develop the skills of changing our relationship to pleasure and pain and neutrality, first by seeing them clearly, turning towards in mindfulness, in meditation, observing, increasing our tolerance for the unpleasant, increasing our ability to be with subtle pleasant experiences without clinging to them. And this translates into our recovery in so many ways. Uh, as I have said, and will say over and over, one of the major skills we have to develop in order to 
stay on the path of recovery is learning to be uncomfortable, learning to be with our pain, learning to tolerate it and ultimately develop compassion for our pain um, rather than turning away from it, ignoring it, suppressing it, or trying to avoid it as we did while, when we're in active addiction. And as we continue to, and so many people, uh, we continue to, even when we come into recovery, they're still like, okay, well, I'm not gonna use the drugs and alcohol or the behaviors that I became addicted to, process addictions. But then we look for other ways to avoid television, uh, you know, uh, just kind of trying to distract ourselves rather than feeling. Um, and this is the meditation instruction where the Buddha says, freedom will come from turning towards and learning to be with reality, with the Dhamma. Dhamma is nature, is reality. Learning to be with reality as it is. And we do that by being with our pain and developing compassion and being with the impermanent reality of pleasant experiences and learning to meet them with non-attached appreciation. And then, and we'll talk a little bit more about this afterwards, um, each one of us identifying how do you, you know, when you're mindful in your body and you can feel the sensation at the top of your legs on your thighs or the sides of your body, but it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. There's a sensation, you can feel it. Sometimes the breath is like this. You feel the breath. It's not really perceived as pleasant or unpleasant. It's neutral. It's just the breath. And so we need to investigate what is our relationship to neutrality. Do we enjoy that? Do we uh, ignore it? Are we aversive to neutrality? So many of us addicts are so habituated towards intense experience, neutral experiences, uh, hard to tolerate. And so that's part of the skill that we're also developing in meditation and in the second foundation of mindfulness that will serve us in so many ways in our recovery. So um, find a place to sit and we'll start the guided meditation. So get into your meditative posture. Find a comfortable way to sit. Adjust your posture so that your spine is erect without being rigid or stiff. Allow the rest of your body to be relaxed around the upright spine. Rest your hands in your lap or on your legs and allow your eyes to gently close. Bring full attention to the physical sensations of sitting still. Allow your breathing to be natural bringing attention to your head, release any tension in the face, 
Soften the eyes and relax the jaw. Scanning the body slowly downward, relax the neck and shoulders, feeling the rise and fall of the chest and abdomen with each breath. Soften the belly with each exhalation. Bring the attention all the way down through the body to the places of contact with a chair or cushion. Allow your body to be supported by the seat you're on. Feel the pressure and density of the relaxed upright body sitting. Bring your full attention to the present time experience. Acknowledge the full range of phenomena that are happening in the moment. Thinking is happening. Hearing is happening. Seeing even with the eyes closed. Tasting, smelling, and physical and emotional sensations are all present. Allowing all the sensations to be as they are, redirect your attention to the sensations of the breath. Let the other sense experiences fall to the background as you bring the awareness of breathing to the foreground. Take a few moments to investigate where you feel the breath most easily, usually either at the base of the nostrils or in the rising and falling of the abdomen. Find the place where you feel the breath coming and going and use that as the point of focus. It's best to choose one place and stick with it. Don't jump back and forth between nose and belly. It is not necessary to follow the breath in and out.
having established some ability to sustain attention, you can now begin to investigate the feeling tone of each experience. Whether you are paying attention to the breath or sensations in the body, each experience has a feeling tone of pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neutrality. By focusing the attention a little bit more and opening your awareness to the subtle levels of pleasant and unpleasant tones of experience, you bring mindfulness to your craving for pleasure and aversion to pain. Feeling tone is the place where one gets attached or aversive. While sitting with awareness focused on the body, refine the attention to the feeling tone of your experience. Investigate and inquire into the nature of the experience you are paying attention to. Is this a pleasant feeling? Does it feel good? Or is it an uncomfortable experience? Are you resisting the present feeling? Bring mindfulness to the feeling itself. See for yourself how you relate to pleasure and pain. What does your mind do when the present time experience is neutral? Are you able to hang out with experiences that have no pleasure or pain associated with them? Or does the mind get bored and seek a pleasurable or painful memory or plan. Continue training the mind in this way. Each time the attention wanders, gently return to the present moment and continue investigating your inner relationship to the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral tone of each moment.
when you become aware of attachment to a pleasurable experience, one time to let it go. Release the mind body's grip by softening and relaxing into each moment. Allow yourself to fully experience and enjoy the pleasure as it comes and goes. When you become aware of aversion to an unpleasant experience, attempt to meet it with mercy and friendliness. Allow the pain or discomfort to be present and meet it with the understanding that it will pass. And if you just allow it to come through the mind-body without trying to resist it, suppress it, or control it. When you're meditating on neutral phenomena, attempt to relax into the absence of suffering. Tolerate the mind's craving for pleasure and continue to enjoy the experience of just being. Learning to enjoy the absence of pleasure and pain is key on the meditative path.
when you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open. And even as you open your eyes and we continue this investigation, just reflect on as you see the screen, maybe the other people, the space you're in. Identify, you can even look around the room you're in. And as your eye falls on each object, um, there's an instant liking or disliking that happens. Usually we're not so conscious about that, especially in our own homes. We're so used to the things that we see. We can bring mindfulness to, uh, oh, that's pleasant, that's pleasant, that's pleasant. And then your eye falls on something, some mess in the corner. And you say, oh, that's unpleasant. <laughs> I need to clean that up. Or some piece of furniture, some piece of art that you're tired of looking at. Uh, and we just, you know, part of what this is um, inviting us to do is to wake up to the reality that we are always being bombarded with this experience of, of pleasant and unpleasant. And there's an instant unconscious liking and disliking. And, um, you know, sometimes when there's liking, then it becomes attaching to what we like, clinging, craving, and the suffering that we create in that way. Or if it's disliking, it's unpleasant, um, then there's aversion, resentment, you know, getting into maybe even anger about what we don't like. Mindfulness teaches us the ability to develop acceptance that uh, pain is unavoidable and unpleasant experiences are unavoidable. Uh, there's all of this, uh, maybe I should re rephrase that as, there is all of this unavoidable unpleasantness that is part of our existence. Of course, some pains are avoidable and we should avoid avoidable pain. <laughs> but there's all of this unavoidable unpleasant sights and sounds and smells and, and the mind. I mean, how many of your thoughts each day have an unpleasant feeling tone to them? All of the judging thoughts, all of the comparing, all of the craving, all of the um, resenting, all of the, you know, uh, lusting and fantasizing so often we are in this unpleasant mind state or emotion. How much of your experience is pleasant? And this is the invitation to investigate. Even in meditation, like some, I know when I first started doing these meditations, I was like, what's pleasant about this? I don't know, my ass hurts, my mind is loud, my body's uncomfortable. And then I could start to feel, oh, um, the way that my hand is resting on my knee, that contact, that warmth, that touch, it's a little tiny bit pleasant. When I really bring my awareness to it, that contact is perceived as a pleasant feeling tone. And, I, and then starting to, to be with, with that pleasant feeling tone and then seeing that the breath sometimes is neutral, sometimes is pleasant. And, and likewise with emotions or thoughts, sometimes a, 
pleasant thought arises when we're in meditation. It's one of the ways that the mind sort of distracts us. Is like, hey, think about this pleasant <laughs> fantasy, memory, uh, whatever it is. And then we're like, oh, that's a really pleasant idea, plan, memory. Uh, and, you know, it's taking me away from what I want to be doing, which is here. But sometimes we just can identify, oh, that's a pleasant thought and let it go. Now, of course, central to mindfulness are the three characteristics of reality that uh, everything we experience is um, impermanent. So all of the pain that we experience is impermanent. That's the good news. <laughs> all of the pleasure we experience is impermanent. Not such good news, but truth. <laughs> All of the neutrality is, is impermanent. Every sound, every sight, every smell, every taste, every sensation, and every relationship, every experience that we have has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Everything is impermanent. Just reminding you that, that this is the central uh, you know, truth that, that we wake up to with mindfulness. The other piece is because everything, the other two characteristics is that because everything's impermanent, um, even pleasure is not going to be very satisfactory. And it's going to be unsatisfactory in the long run because it's not going to last. Uh, and there's going to be a repetitive craving for pleasure. And so even pleasant uh, experiences, they arise and pass and they don't, uh, as we all found out as addicts, <laughs> there's no way to uh, you know, sustain enough pleasant experiences to stay high or to stay checked out or to stay numb. It's impossible because every drunk, every high, every binge, every whatever it is, is impermanent. We can't sustain it. And it leads to suffering. Um, and the third, and, and also important, and I pointed to this, is that it's uh, it's not your fault. It's not that personal. The, the, the resistance to pain, the craving for pleasure, the uh, self-centeredness that our human minds do, it's not because you're an addict. It's because you're a human being. And it's part of the human condition to take everything personal. And what we're being, what we're doing, what we're being invited to do, what Refuge Recovery teaches, what the Buddha taught and we're borrowing in Refuge Recovery is that it's possible. There's this incredibly radical proposal on the table to wake up. And we wake up by going against our natural instinctual drives to cling to pleasure and push away pain. And it's one of the reasons why what we're doing is so counter to our instincts because you hate pain, of course you do. It's that you're wired into your cells, your survival instinct. You love pleasure, of course you do. It's not your fault, it's not personal. It's wired into your cellular structure of survival instinct. So when we turn towards a meditation like this, we're being asked to be with pain, to become uh, empathetic and merciful and compassionate towards our own pain. This is really a radical proposal and counter 
to our to our instincts. Likewise, with um, not clinging to pleasure. You know, the um, I'll open up to some questions, uh, conversation with you in a moment, but maybe one of the simple ways uh, of saying it, and and part of what the this kind of meditation and the the Dharma in this way teaches us is that uh, our happiness or unhappiness is not dependent on what's happening. It's dependent on how we are responding to what's happening. And so we could reframe that as our recovery, our sobriety, our, our freedom is not about what's happening, certainly not about what's happening in the external world, but also not what's happening in your own mind. Through the training and mindfulness and the second foundation, we're being offered the uh, ability, the process of developing the ability to be in a lot of pain and to still be at ease because we've become familiar and tolerant and intimately uh, friendly towards our own pain. And we can have uh, overwhelming pleasure without being overwhelmed (laughs) and being at ease with the impermanent reality that whatever has arisen, whatever pleasant sound, smell, taste, sensation, experience is going to arise and pass. And we learn through turning towards it and seeing it clearly to meet pleasure with non-attachment, to stop trying to control, stop clinging, and learn to enjoy the ride. And it's always a ride. (laughs) We're always being taken for a ride every moment. We're never static, we're never secure, we're never, uh, you know, unmoving. We're always in in motion, everything. Uh, This is the reality that we're born into and that we have to learn to live with as part of our life, as part of our recovery. So I want to, again say this meditation is and i know i say this all the time and i shouldn't but i'll say it about every aspect of refuge recovery this is the most important piece (laughs) the inventories are the most important piece mindfulness is the most important piece the song is the most important piece you know it's all the most you know it's like all of these important pieces come together for this path of recovery this path of freedom But you see long-term meditators who have only done the breath or mantra practice or something, and they've never quite got familiar with their relationship to pleasure and pain. Because as I've talked about and will continue to talk about the difference between concentration practices and mindfulness practices, people meditate for decades doing only concentration practices, and they're still very reactive angry, attached, unhappy. And it's only when they're meditating that they find some freedom because that's when they ignore their reactivity and their aversion to pain and their craving for pleasure. Mindfulness, the second foundation invites us to become intimate with it. And the more intimate 
the more relaxed you become, the less reactive you become, the more wise and tolerant and compassionate and appreciative we've become because we've become intimate with how we feel and we're not just ignoring it with our meditation. We're really embodying it with our meditation. I hope this makes sense to you. I would like to um, have some dialogue if you would like to. What are your thoughts? Uh, I am, you know, does this make sense? Um, is there any pieces that you have questions about and the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is, um, is there experience you had in the meditation tonight that you'd like to um, share or have questions about? Um, Richard, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Don. Good to see you. You too. So I have a question about neutral feeling. Um, yes. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, if it's a neutral feeling, how do you feel it? How do you know it's there? Is it a pleasant experience that has turned into something neutral or a painful experience that has turned into something neutral? Or how do you differentiate between what's called a neutral feeling and feeling nothing or feeling numb? What is this neutral feeling thing? Um, is there any sensation behind your knees right now? Yeah. Is it pleasant or unpleasant? Uh, one's not anything and the other one is a little twitchy. Okay, so wait, no, the one that's not anything, can you feel it? When I bring my attention to it, yeah. That's neutrality. If you can feel it, but it's not pleasant or unpleasant, it is an experience that is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, which is the definition in this practice of a neutral feeling tone. Okay. How about so, your breath? How about your breath when you breathe in? Is it when you breathe out? You can well, feel it. Leads, I can feel it. Yeah. This leads to my second question about is it pleasure? Is it pleasant and unpleasant because I name it as such? Or is, it, or is there such a thing as inherently pleasant or unpleasant? It's um, subjective perception. Because oh, you and I. It's not about what you name it, it's about how you experience, but you and I could be experiencing, uh, let's say we go hot tubbing together. We're both in the hot tub. <laughs> We're experiencing the same temperature water. All right. But my perception might be like, this is too fucking hot. And you might be like, this is great. It's pleasant to you. It's unpleasant to me. My subjective experience of it is unpleasant. Yours is pleasant. So there's nothing objective about any of this. It's all, well, I feel like all, I mean, there's no, no, I want to say no, there's nothing. It's all our perception. Like um, spicy food, for instance, let's think of, let's talk about jalapenos. <laughs> let's talk about ghost peppers. <laughs> let's talk, right? Um, right. We, you know, we, there's 50 people here. We could kind of take a poll. How many people like spicy food? And we don't need to do that right now, but many, many of us would say like, oh yeah, I like a certain level. I find a certain level of the pain of my tongue burning to be pleasant. But there's a line after a certain amount of whatever, like decibel, uh, I forget how they measure spice, but <laughs> there's like so many CPUs or something like that. It's like, it's too much. It, it, then it turns from my perceiving it as pleasant 
it turns unpleasant. So there, there are pain receptors in the body. And when those pain receptors are stimulated, say a needle puncture or prick on your leg. Yes. Most people will, will report that as something that is noxious, irritating, maybe even painful. And it sends a message to the brain that there's something wrong or there's yeah. something threatening to the body. Yes. That seems objective. That doesn't seem subjective. Yeah, yes, except for this example of the spicy food. Spicy food is um, pain receptors on your tongue. But then it's a matter of degree and interpretation. Yes, that's why it's subjective. Likewise with getting pierced. I mean, there's, you yeah, know, yeah. some people like to get pierced and they, you know, it's, it's a, it's a painful, <laughs> you know, it's a painful experience that some people enjoy. So well, even yeah. though it's sure. So that's where I, I feel like we just have to say what is we also have to come back to our own present time embodied experience of what are we perceiving in this moment as being pleasant, as being unpleasant, as being neutral. But some people might be aversive to pleasant feelings. Some people might enjoy painful feelings. 100%, but then that's their perception. If something pleasant is happening and you're aversive to it, and this is, um, you know, like uh, praise. Okay. Some people would uh, say, oh yeah, I, I love it when I get positive attention and I, I get praise and I'm, uh, you know, I, I like that. But many people would say, no, it, it hits my um, self-consciousness in a way that if you praise me, it's very unpleasant my perception of your kindness is as uncomfortable for me. So again, I feel like we have to just come back to, um, because we can't say pleasure is always pleasant and we can't say <laughs> that pain is always painful and we can't say that uh, praise is always uh, appreciated or that criticism, I mean, likewise, you know, you could criticize somebody and be like, yeah, that really fits with my wounds and it really, really resonates. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're treating me the way I feel about myself, and it really resonates. Um, but this stuff, you, it says it, this stuff happens so quickly. It's like not conscious. It's like nanoseconds later after you have a sensation of which category it's falling into. Yep. Right? But the more we meditate on it, the more we can catch it. We can catch it. In the beginning, it's more a bit like you're kind of reflect on what just happened. But the more present you get, the more you wake up with it of like, oh, this is unpleasant or this is pleasant or this is neutral. Um, yeah. The more we bring our attention to it and we practice this and we train our mind. This is um, what the Buddha was talking about in dependent origination. I said, all suffering, what's happening here is there's 12 links of dependent origination. And, you know, we're born and we're born into this body and we have these perceptions and we have these sense doors that make contact with the world, with sense experience. And all sense experience, including the mind, the heart, the emotions, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, is perceived as pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And in that contact moment, then there is craving or aversion. Mm -hmm. And from that craving or aversion, there is then suffering. 
And this is why humans are stressed out and suffering and attached and aversive and, you know, afraid all of the time. He said, but mindfulness is the intervention, the way to break this cycle of instantly clinging to pleasure, pushing away pain is turning towards it, training your mind to see it and say, ah, oh, pain, my friend, compassion. Oh, pleasure, my friend, non-attachment. Mm -hmm. And we train our minds to become so intimate with the pleasant, unpleasant and neutral that we no longer have to suffer so much about that unconscious reaction because we become conscious. So okay. this is the second, second foundation, so key, so transformative and subtle and long-term, uh, you know, slow, gradual progress in getting more aware of the pain and friendly with it and more aware of the impermanent pleasure and not so clingy to it. And, but we have to be uh, mindful to do it. Right. Without Thanks. mindfulness, it's gonna happen all by itself. All right, thanks for dancing with me. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, somebody said the spiciest Scoville units. Yes. Uh, Chris R. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you so much for being this tonight and, and being here for everyone. Um, I felt a bit confused when you were talking about, for example, you know, looking around your immediate environment and um, this is pleasant, this is unpleasant because I'm, for example, looking around my immediate environment and, and I just feel, well, everything's neutral. Um, a light switch, okay. Attack, okay. Um, I have a cork board here. Uh -huh. um, I have my iPhone. I, I don't have any particular feeling tone towards that. Um, an orange, well, if I was eating it, it would be pleasant, but it's just sitting there. Right. Um, and, and, and I, I f often feel that way about a lot of sensory experiences. And am I missing something? Um, maybe, <laughs> of course, maybe we're probably all missing a lot, <laughs> maybe, you know, but so for, for now, let's just say, um, let's say, no, you're not missing anything that your relationship to that stuff in this moment, your perception when you did that experiment was neutral, neutral, neutral. Then you can, um, and uh, uh, Richard started to ask about this, I think. And I think it's a really important investigation for us. What is our relationship to neutrality? Do you like it or do you find it? And I, I made some, you know, leading uh, comments in the meditation about, you know, do we, you know, do we like it or do we go looking for pleasure when things are neutral? You know, I mean, it's talk, talking about the material stuff. Like when we get like, oh, all of this stuff is neutral. But if I had a brand new iPhone, that would be pleasant for a day or two. <laughs> Right. If your phone was brand new or, you know, your computer or whatever, and you come out of meditation, you're like my new computer. I'm pleasant. I'm happy to have this. The thing is, is that our material things don't lie, you know, like we don't, we become so 
used to them that then there's craving for something new. And when something new, it gives us a temporary pleasant hit. But investigating, and I'll, I'll share my, my own experience with neutrality is that um, in the beginning, uh, I mean, I started meditating because I wanted to not suffer so much. And I, I found that um, after some years of meditation, <laughs> I wasn't, I was suffering less, but that still, um, I was still just like drawn towards intensity. And even in meditation, I, I'd watch my mind if it was kind of, it would start to get peaceful. And I could start to watch this process happening of like the mind is settling. And rather than enjoying that experience of peacefulness or neutrality, not too much pain, not too much, that my mind would go looking for pleasure. That that second noble truth, that repetitive craving, difficult to tolerate neutrality. And, um, and then I started to shift towards it and, and investigate it and be like, actually, neutrality is pretty good. You know why neutrality is so good? It doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. And I want to not suffer. And, you know, and if, I'm, if we're honest with ourselves, often chasing the pleasure does hurt. But being with neutrality is, can be quite, might be the definition of serenity. And then I realized that I thought that serenity or that peace was going to be pleasant. Do you, you know, and not just you, Chris, but everybody, do you, do you expect peaceful experiences to be pleasant? Serenity to be, and I had to admit to myself that I'm such an intensity junkie that I thought peace was going to be fun. <laughs> I thought that shit was going to feel good and it doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, you know, it feels good in comparison to feeling bad, but it's not um, necessarily the kind of intensity that a crackhead like me has a tendency to seek out. So I know I went off on a tangent there. Back to your question, Chris. Let's assume for now you're not missing anything and just that stuff is pretty neutral. If you keep bringing this perspective, um, I, I'd imagine if you really started to look around your stuff and you could you know, develop a little nostalgia and be like, oh, that's kind of pleasant. You know, <laughs> like I actually do have some gratitude for my phone. I'm glad that I, you know, if it was all of a sudden gone, I would, that would be unpleasant. So it's neutral because I am taking it for granted, but I'm, you know, it's pleasant or, um, you know, you could start going through your records or your books and you'd be like, oh, I'm so, I really, you know, that's pleasant to have that book or that record or go through your t-shirts and be like, unpleasant, unpleasant. Oh, wow. I still have that shirt. <laughs> unpleasant. <laughs> um, and just watch what the mind does with our stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually very, very helpful. And I, I've noticed in doing some other similar meditations, how difficult it is to stay with the neutral. <laughs> that's where I get distracted. Or that's where I get other thoughts coming in, or I start noticing, oh, and my back hurts, or yeah, it's it. It is a difficult place. I was with my um, 
long-term meditation teacher, Ajahn Amaro, and I've said this a bunch of times, many of you have heard it, uh, last December in Thailand. And uh, he gave this talk where he said, you know, as if you're practicing Buddhism, if you're you know, interested in this path, um, you know, there's a lot to learn. But he said, also, we could just keep it simple. Learn how to be bored. Learn how to be hungry. Learn how to be lonely. There was a fourth one. What's the fourth one, Rachel? Hungry. I said hungry already. Bored, lonely, hungry, tired. That's it, there was only three. Oh, there was only three, all right. Which, you know, like most of us would say, bored, unpleasant, hungry, unpleasant, <laughs> lonely, unpleasant. And, you know, so part of what he, you know, and this is a guy who's been a monk for 40 years and hasn't had dinner for 40 years and, you know, uh, has been celibate for 40 years. And so he knows what he's talking about, the peace and the happiness from learning to tolerate loneliness and hunger and boredom and, you know, neutrality. And, and this is, a, you know, one of the kind of happiest people I know. Also a recovering alcoholic. Recovered, maybe. Um, last one, Vanessa. Mine's kind of like a general question about the, the meditations in the book. Um, the meditation that you just took us through, was it exactly from the book or are you kind of like doing what you feel? Exactly, like word for word. I didn't do any. <laughs> what page was it on? I'm doing the scripts from the book, which are um, past the meeting format stuff. So we were on page 240, 239 to 241. So there's two sets of guided meditations in the book. There's the ones that you can read to yourself. And then there's the ones that we read in the meetings that is actually the script for the meeting. So I'm going through the meeting script and reading it and pausing where it says pause and um, doing the three minutes of silence where it says three minutes of silence because I don't want to freestyle. I actually want to discuss the meditations from the book as we are practicing them in the meeting. Okay, because that, that was my question as well as like what, because sometimes in meetings people will select one of the meditations from the beginning and like, it'll be like make an altar and it's like, yeah, what? Uh, <laughs> okay, so the ones after the meeting. After the format, those are the medi guided meditations that are meant to be uh, you know, shared through reading the script by a member of the meeting. Thank you. All right, um, thanks everybody for tonight. Next week, we do. The mind, page 242, we start looking at the um, third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the mind. This is done um, every Thursday night. Um, I do it as service for the Refuge Recovery Sangha. I don't receive any financial support for doing this but I do encourage you to support Refuge Recovery World Services by making a donation. There will be a link in the chat um, 
and please consider supporting Refuge Recovery World Services and support each other. And, uh, you know, the most important thing about Refuge Recovery is going to meetings and doing the inventories and meditating every day and working the Eightfold Path, <laughs> taking refuge in the Sangha. It's all the most important part. So uh, happy to be here and be of service. Did we get, yeah, we, did we get it posted? Yeah, it's posted. Yep, it's posted there, donations. And um, thanks for being here tonight. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org, where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online Refuge Recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refuge Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refuge recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.